0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm the host and producer of this show and I'd like to start by saying thank you so much for joining us here today. On today's episode, while sitting comfortably in our favourite armchair and sipping our favourite drink, we will be making excursions across many waves to Toronto in Canada, Strathclyde in Scotland, Cardiff in Wales, Michigan in the United States, Exeter in England and of course with me back here in Dublin, Ireland. Before we kick off the show today a huge congratulations to Blackbough Poetry and the launch this week of their second of two volumes of poetry inspired by The Doors frontman Jim Morrison on the 50th anniversary of his death. This new anthology is called Freedom Rapture, which is now available to purchase on Amazon.com.co.uk and, of course, if you're here in Ireland, .de. The first of the two anthologies was called Dark Confessions, also available to purchase on Amazon, and came out earlier this year featuring poetry from one of our guests on today's show. I, myself, am thrilled to have a poem in Freedom Rapture. Now, with the hellos, the welcomes and the congratulations out of the way, let's get on with the Poetry Party. Today I'm going to open the show with three poems from my debut pamphlet. A pamphlet which is a reason that we are all here because this pamphlet was published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press last September during Covid, which meant that I had no idea how to promote it while being locked indoors. Until one sleepless night I came up with the idea of perhaps making a poetry podcast, although I was not the owner of that much technical knowledge at the time. But somehow I managed to find my way to the Anchor podcast platform, and here we are, with a show now in its third season, having played host to over 150 poets, and to all of my guests so far in Eat the Storms, a huge thank you. My debut pamphlet was of course called Eat the Storms for which I am hugely indebted to Mark Davidson, the genius behind the Hedgehog Poetry Press for its release and its projection of me into this amazing poetry community that I grow to love more and more every single day. These poems are from the beginning of it all. Eat the Storms. This is called Scarlet Rising. Eat the Storms, Mother said. Boil those beds of bitter blackness Until the dream rips through the rain And translucent turns to trust Even a diamond must ache in the darkness Until compression can no longer conceal Eat the storms, mother said Slip out of shivering skin until touch recalls the sweet music of scarlet rising. Caught below a lick of leaf, lost in the shadow of the shade. Even the petal must rise above the thorn before it can learn to dance in the light. Eat the storms, mother said. But I didn't hear it at first. It takes time to swallow the truth and teach the tongue to taste the rain. This next poem is called Tattered Brown Trousers. Father ate all the flowers in the back garden because he couldn't swallow the promise of happiness blooming within the home he couldn't find his root within father left all the flowers in the front garden too proud for others to see him pulling from the soil everything he needed help with but had never been thought the words for father liked to laugh first when others lost so that no one could hear his own loss staring at him like weeds Twisting behind the restraints he wore like those inside-out jumpers and tattered brown trousers he thought no one could see through. Father ate all the flowers in the shadows of the back garden and choked on a laugh that no one understood. And the final poem I'm going to share with you from Eat the Storms is called Rising Through the Rickety Reds and I dedicate this to Gaynor Kane. I laid on the floor and touched the marble perfume of the ocean as it washed over me. Waves of flying feathers, a fluid fire of salted foam. I kissed the poison of your lips at once and did not die as you came over me, next to me, inside of me. Decay is not a breaking blue, not a pout of ruby red. I have drowned more before on quiet corners in safe seats in non-comforting crowds. Dozens all searching for their own spotlight in place of a single soul. Spirit is often lost in too much light, and I wonder if the blind can see better. The day can be a dark dance. Fathers can decay in a garden where hope can't win over weeds. Mothers are sometimes made beyond the cord that was cut from the blossom of another's labour. Bleeding can be a rite of passage, like letting go, moving on. Blood is not always the thicker bond and flowers can find rhythm in a rickety red room where the will is willing to wait and not be waited. We cannot all be angels. But we can rise upon the air we eat, the touch we have tasted, the flesh we have crept from, swept from, found a fondness for. Even in rooms where naked blushes on the walls we have washed with waves of a red, raw hope that finds root in a simple light. My first guest on the show today joins us from England and is a poet, novelist and playwright. In 2016, turned just 20, she won the Exeter Novel Prize for Raise Them Up, is the author of the play The Word and had three poems in the recent Dark Confessions anthology from Black Bow Poetry. She is the co-founder and co-editor of Carp Magazine and her debut poetry collection, Blame It On Me, is now available to pre-order from Broken Sleep Books and will be with us in August. Today, she joins us to give a preview of this collection of hold, loss and the grief that is born out of it. It is a pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Briny Collins. Hi,
1: my name is Briny Collins and I'm a writer based in North Wales. My debut poetry book, Blame It On Me, is coming out on August 31st with Broken Sleep Books. It tells the story of my mother's death when I was five and the family turmoil that ensued as my father was consumed by grief. It moves through the first days after losing her to my life now and all the ways being without her has affected me. Across all the poems, One core message remains, it never gets easier. Grief doesn't lessen over time. It only deepens as more days and experiences accumulate that the person you lost cannot be a part of. I never accepted my mother's death. I just made a space for it inside my heart and carried it with me there. When I first realized I was ready to write about her, I hit a wall. Not like writer's block, I had plenty to say, but I understood that my words weren't going to be enough. There just are some things in life that are too momentous for language. Blame it on me is, therefore, a series of attempts. A daughter trying to reach her mother through history and touch her one last time. I'd like to read a few poems now from the book, starting with Sunset. Sunset. All you ask for on your last earth night is a glass of water. I hope you know what it really means. Life thirsts to fill you Stay with me, please. How the skin cracks around your eyes, blackening with the slow dilation of forever. How the milk of your bones pours and empties, drowns you from the inside out. How brittle you become in the pallid echoes of moonlight. Don't go, not just yet there is so much of this world left to share together how we will go to rome and stand at the feet of gods hadrian's venus saturnalia until sunset jupiter burning the depth of history you will miss as you cascade into it How at Ostia Antica we dream of long dead stars reviving in the amphitheatre. Chips of stonework, ovation of ghosts, applause and awake. All you ask for on your last earth night is a glass of water. The next one I'm going to read is called Curvature. Sometimes I stand in the sea, stare at the horizon and imagine you are across the water looking back. If it weren't for the Earth's curvature, maybe our eyes would meet as we scan the skyline. Maybe we could be together What is it like where you are? The remains of a crab wash up on the shore, pecked open by gulls, its back blood-eagled, pincers splayed out in surrender, the scent of the deepest ocean trench echoing inside its exoskeleton. Do things die on your beach too? Would this creature have survived there? barnacles dry up by the rock pools, sinking into themselves until the tide comes, brings them back for a time, owing everything to the moon's revival. Periwinkles scatter like broken bitumen, each one turning to face the horizon with me. Sometimes I stand in the sea, not sure if I should start walking towards you. Cross this barrier to find you smiling on the other side. As my feet slip into the sand, an epiphany strikes. If it weren't for the earth, I could see you. Now I will read a personal favourite of mine. It's called Dead Badger. Our cousinhood can be pared down to a precious morning in July 06, sitting on a bunk in a cabin of a blue canal boat called Frisbee. You were barely two. Your knowledge of language, a reduction of milk and motherhood, of rhyme and room. On paper, your mind unfurled in the wild etchings of a child with stories to tell, but no words. Until you pressed your palms to the window so hard they turned flat and white, smiled at a passing boat and proclaimed a single triumphant syllable, bot. A dead badger bobbed by us in the water, its fur muddied to conceal the white stripes of its face among the black ones. But, you said again, as solemn and still as the canal. And I knew you were really asking if I saw it too. This is all language is, touching other people's worlds with our visions, hoping that someone knows what you mean and understands. But you taught me that poetry is everything else. The words we never learn and the ones left unsaid. I'm going to end with the final poem in the book, which is called Sleep. She cries her whale song in the sea behind my eyes, her hair echoing rubies in the tissues of rippling sleep, where she whispers seaweed, Freckles dreams in Greek fire and sinks while I wait for her to wake once more. I hope you've enjoyed this little preview into Blame It On Me. It's currently available for pre order on Broken Sleep's website. Thanks to Eat the Storms for having me on to read, and thank you for listening.
0: Next on the show today, we have a first time guest who eats the storms joining us from Toronto, Canada. A writer of both poetry and fiction who just released her seventh poetry collection called Ether. Previous collections include The Celery Forest and Her Red Hair Rises with the Wings of Insects, which was a finalist for the Raymond Schuster Award. Her poems have been translated into Greek. Chinese and Spanish, they have appeared in Poetry Review Ireland, ARC Poetry Magazine, Glasgow Review of Books, The Bangor Literary Journal and many more. She was a finalist in the Montreal International Poetry Prize and her debut novel Quarry was the finalist in the Sarton Women's Book Award for Contemporary Fiction. I am delighted to welcome to Eat the Storms Catherine Graham.
2: Hello everyone my name is Catherine Graham and I'm delighted to be part of Eat the Storm's Poetry Podcast. Thank you, Damien, for having me. I'm going to begin with a poem from my collection, Her Red Hair Rises with the Wings of Insects. What began as a manuscript of glosses turned into a manuscript of deconstructed glosses. The book is dedicated to two poets, PK Page and Dorothy Malloy. This poem explores the darker side of relationships and is titled domestic he sculpts my words with the chisel of his mouth fits me inside his mind's binding i do what i'm told to get my playpen back the edge of no to end each day what did i do to exit his eyes blue blinding marbles detached from the brain that stems them he won't answer Sits in his fat, easy chair. What did I do, or what did I do not but wear something pretty? He spits his words in blurry circles. Hurls stones of vowels at fields of bruises. Clothes with round edges give too much of me to see. Who are you trying to impress? Some fancy man? He's laughing now. You think I'm serious? Just want you to be safe, pet. Blind heart, pack up and run. This next poem is from my collection, The Celery Forest. Many of the poems explore the topsy-turvy world you enter when you've been given an unexpected health diagnosis. The poem I'm going to share with you is sparked by an encounter with a coaster. I was in Edinburgh at the time, the last stop on a UK reading tour And after performing at the Scottish Arts Club, I wandered into a gift shop. There it was, leaning on a top shelf, depicting three deer and a phrase I'd never heard before. A leash of deer. The collective noun spoke to me on a visceral level. I bought the coaster and took it home, back to Toronto, Canada. A leash of deer. What did that mean, I began exploring the image further by playing with words and rhythms. This poem was the result. It was first published in Scotland's Gutter magazine. A Leash of Deer. untamable creatures spotted as trout lily, camouflaged umber, tawny branched with satellite ears, air cupped to the heartbeat of the ground. Extended line between sun, dawn, moon, dusk, a leash of deer. Which sight brought forth the first, allowed leggy form to lift up and off the forest floor into white-tailed leaps, or red, or row. No matter. Kill. Suffocation. Quick throat slit. Kill and stop the leash of deer from spreading out. So when that fall night rears, a father driving home, one road away from home, no cloven hoofed ungulate on Stone Mill Road, parting from a field of parting corn, from stalk and husk and rustle beside a frog-thick croaking ditch to trigger panic, the swerve, a father would have made it back to bed, exhaling o's of alcohol through graying shades of stubble, and a daughter would awaken to the muffle of his morning snores through cedar walls, and not the 3 a.m. knocking at her bedroom door, the waiting cop. I recently published my seventh book, Ether, an out-of-body lyric. It's an homage to family, to cancer, and to the strange windings of truth. Memories mesh with visitations and multiple stories unfold of pain and loss, hidden tragedy, forgiveness and growth. It begins, it's not the hair's scream that haunts, it's the silence that follows. And I'll move now to another section. We live in vigilance after watching our mothers die. Those twin sexual organs that hold milk for babies and desire for others carry a terror for us. We succumb to having them flatten like pancakes on mammogram plates. We suck in our breath through winces of pain and ignore the metallic buzzing of the taking image. Our breasts don't belong to us then, squeezed and handled with efficient gloved hands, molded like Play-Doh. At night, we dream they're hacked off. We need to do a biopsy. Feathers, forever falling from birds. Feathers become my talismans during my months of cancer treatment. City streets, sidewalks, parking lots. Feathers from sparrows, seagulls, pigeons. Pigeons wedged in a flower-rimmed scrum, pecking madly for bread. The machine-gun stutter of the cardinal And I remember these words from my first creative writing teacher. Your subject matter chooses you. Death chose me. Ghosts have no substance, require no sustenance, walk through water, stone. Before my coming out of ether, I talked to my mother. She never answered, but I talked anyway. How can you be gone more years than my being here? How can that be when there hasn't been a day in which you haven't entered my mind as insight, revelation, or memory hovering like a patch of scuttering clouds? To hear your voice, to smell your scent, but without the base coat of your skin, to mix with Chanel No. 5, no scent of you. Mom, we are having a conversation in our silences. Silence is a kind of flight. She came as light, darkness, a backdrop for her glow. She moved with the slow speed of her walker before wheels were added to them, the constant up and down rhythm. He could hear the scraping. He was in bed, the door wide open, and saw the approaching light. They say sightings happen during the span of three days after death. The soul, if you believe in the soul as a form of energy, Is released from the body like the remaining warmth after a television switched off the nest inside the heat rest your hand there and you'll feel it the aftermath of alive before it goes cold russ is that you the urge to run to her he bolted up but his legs wouldn't move locked by invisible chains he couldn't battle their grip and weight Russ, the light hovered. I was jealous of his sighting. Now I don't have to be. I shift my legs on the stretcher. You're here, but I can't see you. This is better than light, honey. You know that. If I'd known that cancer would bring me to you, then this wouldn't be a gift, would it? It would be an expectation. You couldn't know. Don't leave me. You won't will you? I can never leave you. I am your scars. Thanks again, Damien, for having me and wishing you all well and best on your own creative journey.
0: Our next guest underneath the storms today joins us from Cardiff in Wales and describes her poetry as a way of exploring inner spaces, place and inheritance. She has been Pushcart Prize nominated and was a winner of the Poetry in the Arcades competition in 2020. She is the managing editor of the wonderful Nightingale and Sparrow and has had many poems widely published online and in print, including in Black Blackbough Poetry, Maytree Press and in this year's Indigo Dreams anthology Dear Dylan, from which today she is going to share a poem. Please go wild in the comfort of your armchair for Marcel Newbold.
3: Hello. Marcel Newbold here talking to you from Cardiff in South Wales. I'm delighted to be here on the fabulous Eat the Storms podcast. A big thank you to Damien for inviting me. I've got five poems for you today. The first um, was published in the Dear Dylan anthology by Indigo Dreams Press, which was published on International Dylan Thomas Day this year weeping willow. The boy wanted to know, so they embraced. Her bark softened to his apples and nobbles, less agitated now, her tendril jewels dripped. She did not answer, although her roots sang again, again, and a leaf perfect in its death, kissed frigid ripples to life. They whispered soundless love. Conceived sinew, osmosis, their thirst, dreamt indigo, sweet blooms, beds of white Held solace in their skins He knew the full moon flooded her Bled potential, death score, time score, now a feast for the roses Evidence of a scheme She knew memory as a trick There's only now So they bathe, drink, exert, worship it not themselves and believe in divine cultivation. These next two poems have been published by Iceflow Press um, as part of their wonderful pandemic series. Transient comfort. If I could choose something to hold It would be the sea, warm with waves of cool, a flotation device, signifier of a storm, a gentle stroke to my skin. Each drop a universe, a meal to a whale, the way home for the lost, the deciduous colours always ready to drown. Dwelling Come to my house, for it is empty. Chairs wait to be dimpled, wooden boards to be scratched, the hob to be warmed. They breathe patiently into the quiet. Come to my house and we will dance. Music will play and we will sway. The walls will hear, our bones will remember. You'll want to stay, to rest. Come to my house where I can protect you. Make a bed from gathered feathers, dry your clothes with the heat of the hearth, fill you with broth distilled from winter, draw the curtains on the obnoxious sun. Uh, My father very recently passed away and these last two poems are a reflection on that. Moving on. And that's when I knew those seagulls had lied. My then smooth face turned to the sea, breeze pulling wetness from the sky and our eyes, my summer frocked legs goose pimpled. Hand in family hand, we sat on my grandfather's favourite gorse-cling bench, saying goodbye as his urn carefully capsized. Those seagulls enjoyed the bleak lifting, beaks yellow, blood spot, bellies chip full, sky blackened wingtips gleaming, they mocked of no return. For here now my daughter sits, serenely wrapped in orange life jacket, cinnamon burn in willing chubby hands, licking icing streaks, selecting raisins one by one, occasionally releasing a blown blonde strand from sticky lips. The sea churns white crests And we heave and jolt Boat cradled through mud-heavy waves Our sails sheeted tight The trees tell us because they know The how of flexibility The strength of bending just enough To divert a squall A scavenger, a downfall Roots anchor Tap downwards, in darkness reach outwards For others to commune, to chat Not afraid, when warmth desists To drop blooms and leaves Once bright and green, they wait Retreat within, protect themselves Just show skeletal frame the little that remains Shameless and bare Uh, thank you once again to Damien for the invite. It's been wonderful to be here on Eat the Storms.
0: Heading west now for our next guest and all the way across the ocean to Michigan in the United States to hear from the author of four poetry collections, The Seed Thieves, American Prophet, Our Certain Museum and Severance, the last two of which were published by Salmon Poetry here in Ireland. He is also the author of two chapbooks and has had poetry published in Ploughshares, Gulf Coast, The Atlanta Review, Trush, and many more. He is a professor of English at the Central Michigan University and the founder of the Wellspring Literary Series. I am delighted to hand you over to the exceptional Robert Fanning reading poems from his latest collection, Our Southern Museum. Hello, Damien
4: and Eat the Storms listeners. It's a pleasure and an honour to read some poems for you and to be included among so many great poets on this podcast. I've been lucky enough to publish two recent collections of poems with salmon poetry in Diamond, Ireland, Our Sudden Museum being the first, and most recently, Severance. Today I'll be reading four poems from Our Sudden Museum. The first, from which the title of the book is drawn, is Staying the Night. It is an elegy for my sister Amy, who died during heart surgery a handful of years ago. The day after she died, as funeral preparations were being made, I traveled with my family two hours south to my sister's apartment, where she had lived alone for several years. Staying the night. I want to touch everything she touched yesterday. My fingers lingering on her shelves and counter. I flip through the paperback, left half-red on the nightstand. Inhale the crumpled yellow hand towel near her bathroom sink. Breathe in the dust and dander of her apartment air. My wife sifts a pile of unpaid bills, lifts a framed photo, reads an inscription on a birthday card. This home's a sudden museum. From the living room, I hear our daughter knock a glass thing over and giggle. I move to save the breakables from wreckage, then remember, nothing can now be ruined. We're the guests of someone gone. From a stack of papers, I pull some brief note she wrote, marvel at her slight, precise lettering. On her fridge shelf, a tub of leftover spaghetti, an unfinished sandwich. In a drawer, the perishables sweat. A new head of lettuce, a few pieces of fresh fruit. I choose to eat the peach she chose. From the groceries, produce rose, not knowing it would outlive her. Later, before going to sleep in her bed, I see a still life next to the kitchen sink. One white bowl upside down. One fork. One knife. And beside the faucet, her unwashed drinking glass. Lifting the glass, I hope to see her lipstick's usual pink wedge scour for a fingerprint, some smudge. I fill it, half full, with water cover the rim with my lips, turn it in a circle, slowly. This is how I kiss my sister goodbye. The morning after my sister died in a failed heart surgery, I entered my four-year-old son Gabriel's room to share with him the awful news. He adored his aunt and I braced myself for his painful reaction, which surprisingly did not come. However, a short time later, when a treasured pet insect of his died, he learned the meaning of loss as hard as I struggled to comfort him. This poem is called A Consideration of Potential Afterlives and the Ontological Interrelations of All Beings at Bedtime, or The Ladybug Friend. At the threshold of his bedroom, Gabriel stops mid skip and kneels, caught by some speck on his floor. Yesterday's ladybug friend who'd spun and leapt on a spear of grass he kept in a cup bedside, now stuck stone still, legs up and half crushed. At four, it's all first a matter of science. He leans like a mechanic over a hood, inspecting this insect's dead engine, detached. But Within 30 seconds, it's instant crime scene and trial, and I'm his prime suspect, a slack-jawed man of large feet and lumbering, who seems eerily indifferent to this leering judge, handing him his toothbrush like a dagger. Any one of us might have stepped on it, the bug, on her, I mean. My paltry defense begins, though my judge, already a quivering heap of tears and hurled wise, curls up beside ladybug friend sighing her name as he sobs seeing after several minutes this is no toddler drama but true grief that we've walked smack into our first real lesson on dying i shift back and forth for the next hour from indicted murderer to counselor from arbiter in an act of god case to source of all solace Ultimately, I'm some salesman, pitching, glowing afterlives I haven't even bought myself. He collapses into my arms, sniffling as I spread a rainbow of spiritual swatches before him. She must be in a happier place now, I begin, offering up a tinkling shade, adding a sunrise tincture, Gabe, your ladybug was a good friend. I'm sure her spirit's doing fine now. Don't worry, I say then, turning to fruit tree hues. She'll probably land on your sleeve this spring. Maybe she'll become a bird. Later, I proffer a deep rose tone. She lived a good life and is probably higher in the sky than she's ever flown. His grief Ceaseless, my spectrum nearly spent, I try an earth tone. Let's remember to love each other as much as we loved ladybug friend. Still, no deal, I reach for sheer enamel. Let's enjoy this moment we share here and now with each other. But that only opens into another empty space as he then draws a wobbled line from the black dot of Ladybug Friend to his dead aunt, my sister, gone only a handful of months. Is Aunt Amy with Ladybug Friend then, too? He asks, seeing through all my pitches and easy patches, staring at me, waiting for a real answer. At that point, I reached the blank page, a place no paint or creed holds. He has thrown open every curtain to find his father, dumb backstage wizard, a fool in tears on the edge of his bed. When I manage to speak again, I say to my son, the truth is no one really knows where she's gone. For a long time, we hold each other, staring at nothing. In the end, we lift what's left of the ladybug onto a tissue, lay it on his nightstand. He hands me a yellow marker, dictates the eulogy he wants written beneath her. We love you, please come back. One autumn day I was walking in the woods in a park near my house feeling grief-stricken and worrisome. I noticed at one point that it was so quiet I could hear the little ticking sound of leaves snapping off of twigs floating down to make a gold carpet around me. And the leaves had a lesson upon them. This poem is called what is written on the leaves of the season let go of the ache to shape and make meaning let go of the hand in the dark moss and worm the awful gnaw of the docked tongue the root clenched heart let go trunk mold branch rot of the green shoot that sprouts through your death being born let go of the changing light the euphonious chorus of children let go of your mother's hand your father's laughter of what has happened to us of all far-flung and gone let go of holding your head in your hands Of the sap-drawn kiss, the tickle and itch, of weeds, of loves, ooze, and ease, let go. Of I am sorry, of moat and thorn, of throat dust, of I need to, I want to, I have to, I forgot to. Of empty and ample, of all the threadbare maps, let go of lavish and blaze, the crimson and gold of this glorious leaving. Sister, prayerful sister, brother hanging from a branch, let go. Of the myriad and ravenous, these parasitic griefs, let go. Of the gnarled lie, the spine, the trunk bent earthward, of grave mouth and world. Of I miss everyone, even when they're near of faith of the perennial kneel the anchored dream the hold and hull of flesh and soul of what should i have said to save you of withered stalk, stuck here wanting there let go of the clank and drag of anger's black anvil Of the fresh and cleansing rain of every breath. Of snow, of the fluttering moth, of shadow, of the tethers of language let go. Of look at all I've accomplished. Of province and coastline, of tall grass swaying, the thunderhead tumble of summer, of a loneliness that's known you best, of a box of shells, of the gulls let go. Let go of thrust and skirl of desire, let go of panic and skitter and sweat, of pleasure, of blood root and blossom, of touch and hunger, of flocks and lily, of homesick, of who was I then, let go, of marigold, iris, daisy of the moon and the pines of the dew wet lick and wisp the lemon spill of spring mornings of chasing kites of running with shoes untied let go of all the songs of wall and beam of plumb line and pen of i no longer recognize my hands let go of the worn pages of pilgrimage, of grace, of afterward, of stay with me, don't go, let go, of all the shatter and ash, of your daughters, your sons, your love's hands, of horizon, of what will become of all of this, of loose tooth, spin drift, farewell, here goes, Let go.
0: Last up on the show today we are crossing another set of waves, this time to the east of me and up north to Scotland, to a tutor of law and criminology at the Strathclyde University. She is a children's rights advocate and researcher and writes about women and children's experiences of the criminal justice system. Her poetry has appeared in Anti-Heroin Sheep, The Aurora Journal, Dwelling Literary, Dan Journal Spilled Words and many more. She is currently working on two collections of poetry on women and war and a series of character monologues in which she explores the lives and loves of 50s Hollywood actresses. Reading with us today her poetry out loud for the first time, I am honoured to welcome to Eat the Storms the wonderful Lisa Mary Armstrong.
5: Hello everyone, my name is Lisa Armstrong. I'm very grateful to Damien for inviting me onto the show as I'm such a big fan of Eat the Storms. I think it's a wonderful platform for poets who are at various stages in their poetry journey like myself. This will be my first experience of reading my poems out loud which is exciting, and if I'm a little honest nerve-wracking, so I do hope that you enjoy them. I write a lot about my relationships with people and places and time, and flowers feature quite often. I'm inspired by nature and love, and I'm also a big fan of all things Greek and mythological. I also write about serious topics like feminism, social justice, prisoners' rights, and the trials and tribulations of being a mother. My first poem is called Souls and was recently published in NIMS Publications. It was described by a fellow poet just recently as a recipe for self-love, which I liked. And that's exactly what it is. It's also about being afraid to be vulnerable and opening up to someone new. Souls. You want to be loved. Isn't this enough? I've been loved, it consumed me until there was nothing, a dying light. I built myself like Rome, left my past life behind, a foregone era. Keep your salty promises. I crave something more than love, sweet and sickly, heat It gently warms my insides, bakes me slowly. When I'm full, I'll rise and leave. I've been loved. This feels kinder. After all, souls don't cry. People do. This next poem is called Lovely Lines and it was one of the first poems I'd ever written and it was published by the Aurora Journal. And it's about growing old gracefully and resilience. Lovely Lines Lovely lines adorn her face Peachy ripe and so serene Glimpsing remnants of stolen youth And gentle eyes that guard her grief Her body may have forgotten How to move with ease Sometimes stiffened, sometimes seized but she always rose with a timeless elegance. If you listen closely, you can still hear her serenity prayer echoing in eternal space. My third poem is called The Boy With Achilles Heels. And I wrote this for my son. He's 13 now, but when he was born, he was diagnosed with club feet. So he went through a series of operations, which were quite invasive. And as he was growing up, he would ask questions about his disability. So this is a poem about my relationship with my son, and at times, how I struggled to answer his questions. The Boy with Achilles Heels When you were snuggled up safely in my womb, your Achilles tendons played a game of tug of war. And as you grew tall, I'd sit next to your hospital bed, stroking your sleepy head, praying that this would be the last time. We call them your battle scars. I thought my heart would fall out my chest when you asked why you hadn't been blessed with perfect feet like all the rest. I smiled really hard as mothers do when they run out of words. I told you the story of Achilles, a God amongst men and promised that your story wouldn't end with wars and battle wounds. I whispered, your vulnerability is a secret weapon. You have the strength, courage and determination of a thousand men. Your beautiful feet remain undefeated. You are the boy with Achilles' heels. This last poem is called Time. Time and it was published in An anti heroin Check. And it's about recovering from depression, which can be a really difficult topic for people to talk about. Time. It's a proverbial bad penny sneaking up on you. You feel like you've checked out, taken a sabbatical from life, but still need to go through the motions. You can't deal with the monotony of another damn day someone has flicked the on-switch, filled you with their dirty laundry. Still, there's your children to consider and you promised that you'd take them to the caravan when you felt well again. But today you smile for real, caught up in your daughter's excitement of passing exams and university acceptances. Then you breathe a sigh of relief. When your old friend Time takes a seat at the table, holds your hand for a while and promises to wait while you heal.
0: that is it from our guests on eat the storms today which leaves me with just enough time to share with you two final poems and these poems that i'm going to share with you are from my follow-up to eat the storms a stickleback micro collection called considering canvases with boys which came out in january of this year also published by the hedgehog poetry press this is a mini collection of poems that were inspired by five paintings i saw in five different galleries in five different cities with five very different boys. The artists who inspired the lines were Vincent van Gogh, Georgia O'Keeffe, Marc Chagall, Wassily Kandinsky and Salvatore Dali. The first poem I'm going to share with you from the stickleback is called Cusps on a Canvas and was inspired by Georgia O'Keeffe's painting Belladonna. Georgia went off to Hawaii to paint pineapples for the Hawaiian Tourist Board and instead fell in love with the detail and depth of the belladonna. A cusp comes to life on the canvas, coming in to spread out like sex, like sweet sugar dropped into milk and up comes the wave. Belladonna in detail, and we lean. Fragrance found and flow. White tongue tingles with emerald envy. Soft shading in centers where androsium proffers its opening. Hot summer melts into lazy liquid lines. Drawing sea into sky, water into air. Single petals into sweetened pulses As the light dances on flora found On far-flung islands so far from home. Nobody sees a flower, really, she'd said once then splash them across those broad boards in place of a pineapple later. Back at home, when she'd taken time to uncurl it, to uncover the heat of Hawaii, and so we come seduced somehow by the scent of something still so sweet This next poem is the opening poem to the collection called Dali Distractions and it was inspired by a Salvador Dali painting I saw at in London at the Tate It's called Young Woman at the Window and it pictures just the back of a woman who's leaning against a window looking out to the sea. I remember seeing this painting at a time where I was living in London and losing track of where exactly it was I was going and who I was connected to. Dally Distractions. I was in London when we first met. You were on loan and I, something else, you were on a wall, looking out from shadow to sea, seeing cerulean, freshly dressed from a bed that had held you in place, twist of the leg caught between the twitch of decision there are moments to come in and others that let you leave. Tides learn of the waves recoil only when it drops its guard upon the shore. You leant on that ledge, window opening in, looking for a ladder to bring you out of the longing. In the distance, Across a cold concrete concourse of tourists traversed space. In a time that wasn't mine or yours. You perfected illusions of contentment. Slow sway of the hip as if to seduce suspicion. I was in London when we first met. And recognised your distraction. So close to the water that never succumbed to cessation. Though you had forgotten how to swim. Funny that. An islander. Growing for herself a fear of drowning. That no one was able to see on your face. Looking out from within the frame that held you once so tightly in its place. Boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender acts and gender equals, we've reached the end of another episode of Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I was the host and producer of this show and a huge thank you to all the stars who also joined me. Bryony Collins, Catherine Graham, Marcel Newbold, Robert Fanning and Lisa Mary Armstrong. For details of all my guests on today's show and for the guests on every episode of Eat the Storms, please head on over to www.eatthestorms.com, click on the podcast section and there you will find a listing for each episode with photographs, bios and social media handles so you can find and follow all of these poetic stars. This is episode 3, season 3. If you would like to join me as a guest on Eat the Storms or perhaps you just have a comment for me in terms of production, promotion or even exploitation, then please drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. This coming Wednesday is the 14th of July, or if you're in France, c'est le 4 juillet and that means it's Bastille Day. And so on Wednesday evening, I will be joining fellow Hedgehog published poet Sue Burge, who was on the podcast last season when we had our special Paris episode for an evening of poetry. You will find a link to that over at Eat the Storm's website on today's episode listing. Okay, that's all from me. I'm off to get ready for my second vaccine, which is coming up this Tuesday, so wish me luck. In return, I wish you luck. I wish that you stay safe. Stay well, stay healthy, and of course, as always, stay bloody poetic!